This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we have Matt Carlson. He's yes. the Vice President Colliers. Yeah, big um, job. Yeah. Really smart guy. Really, really smart guy. And he specializes, he works with local and international companies, does a lot in the tech sector, but really what he's doing is finding office spaces and headquarters and, you know, for these companies, for right? Companies so, I mean, that are not from Vancouver that are looking to open, uh, relocate here, open offices here. Exactly. So the really exciting thing for us uh, in talking to Matt is to find out, you know, who's interested in Vancouver, where the city's going, what are some of the issues they're facing. For I mean, sure. it's a fascinating conversation yeah. for sure. And it's always, in, I mean, everybody always talks about industry in Vancouver, like what's supporting what, these real estate prices. Uh, and I think, you know, that, that industries are changing across the, you know, across the world. And we've talked about that and how commercial space is leased. And, and we had Corey Wright on here recently talking about yeah. just the changing nature of commercial space and how businesses operate. So this is really, really interesting yeah. in terms of the future of Vancouver for and sure. our dynamic For city. sure. So stay tuned for that. But before we get to that, Matt, you, we were just talking about this. There was a big headline here, a grinder scam artist. Yeah, there's a grinder scam artist out and, there. And it turns out actually that you are one of I've his been a, former I've, victims. I've been a former victim of, of this guy. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's funny. It happened about a year ago. Um, and I was just, it's like the PTSD thing here. I just saw his mug in the Vancouver sun. Right. Uh, Christian Michael Lee Richardson, West Vancouver police hunt for grinder scam artist. So just to clarify though, you were not, this was not a, uh, 
a it's relationship on Grinder. This was a real estate transaction. That's right, real estate transaction. I'll do. We do do some a lot of social media advertising. So sure, yeah, that's where he found us. Not yeah. necessarily on Grinder. Did he find you on social media? I think he came in off. He came in off the internet. Let's put it that way. Wow, wow. <laughs> Not okay. off an app, but okay. uh, no. So the the crazy thing here is is that I've never had an experience like this before. This guy calls me up. Hey, starts immediately. Drop, uh, dropping this huge backstory, right? He's from West Van. His parents live on Point Grey Road. He works in Hong Kong. He's into invest investment in Hong Kong. He's here for two months. He wants to buy a uh, a really nice place at the market in Yale Town. You know, pay Tallest cash. Building. All uh, the big story, right? Yeah. Um, of course, uh, I, I set up an appointment. I meet him. You're thinking you caught a whale? Yeah, this is this is going to be a client for life. He's he's asking me about Whistler. He wants to put potentially buy something wizard you know i'm getting really excited about this so he shows up with a friend and uh you know he charms the entire room he's very very charismatic very smart like most uh, con art i think you have to be if you're a con artist for sure he was running numbers in the elevator where i was like jesus this guy knows what he's doing like that's how beautiful mind yeah yeah it was really impressive so uh anyway long story short I talked to a bunch of other realtors, something I can't even remember how, but it became fishy about two days in. We had, we had an accepted I think you were actually subjects. bragging about how much business he was, he was, yeah, he was going to, he was going <laughs> to provide me with. Yeah. I think going around town. And, and so anyway, I, I got, I caught on pretty quick. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty swift guy. Uh, and, uh, self-described, <laughs> self-described swift guy <laughs> over here. Uh, it only took me five, six days to figure this out. Right. Anyway, we killed a deal. He's, he keeps calling me. I just stopped returning his calls. Right. Never talked to him again. It turned into like, Hey, let's have a beer. So wait, what's the scam you, though? you buy a property and then, and then you don't complete so, so on it. I couldn't, I literally, uh, bought him a glass of wine. I talked to other real, so that's a big scam. Like I'm out seven bucks. Uh, uh, but, uh, there's other realtors who i think he led on for months and they kind of whined and dined them so i was thinking that was a scam and i was like okay i i caught on to this pretty quick uh that's fine here's the catch i basically forget about it three months later okay. i get a call from a guy and he goes hey uh hey matt it's john uh christian told me to give you a call and i'm like okay and he's like yeah so i uh, just want to pick up the keys for uh that unit at the mark and I'm like, sorry? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, like I'm I'm Christian's buddy. You know, you met me. We went and viewed it. My girlfriend, like we're moving in today. Just uh, he's he's out of town. So he told me to just call you as realtor and grab the keys. And I'm like, I got bad news for you. Uh, he didn't buy it. He didn't buy it. Um, and they're expecting to rent it. Is that they're they're he, expecting to rent the unit from this Christian? Guy, they yeah, think of course, he, he bought it. Paid up front. They paid him uh, a damage deposit and a couple months at least rent up front. So he walked away with, uh, if in recollection, don't quote me here, maybe six grand, which is a lot of money. Don't get me yeah. wrong, like six grand is a lot of money. But for the the thing, I and he, this guy was. So up. you're actually you weren't the target. I was not the target. And here's actually the 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 worst thing about worse than the six grand is this guy was literally, he was so upset because, first of all, he'd given notice at his place. He'd moved out. His stuff was in storage. He thought he was moving into the mark a week before, but Christian was giving him a run around, run around, run around. Probably and took finally time told, off work. told yeah. him to call me. So he was like, I wow. have no place to live. My stuff's in storage. 
my girlfriend's about to dump me because of the disaster this has turned into, the stress in the relationship. So it's actually a really tragic story. But wow. uh, anyway, he's on the loose again. So watch out, grinder watch out. users. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And realtors alike. Yeah. Um, but yeah. also, uh, yeah. But it's the, the last thought about this and the one that keeps coming back to me is he's going around kind of a, you know, a thousand bucks here, 800 bucks here. This guy's pretty smart. And yeah. it just is unbelievable. I mean, obviously, there's some mental uh, mental health issues here, but to I mean, he could do big things. I'm, I'm convinced he's very, very bright. So wow. it's unbelievable. And anyway, that took kind of a a, a yeah. turn for the worse. I picture you actually losing sleep over that seven dollar uh, Red Robin glass of wine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was trying to impress him. <laughs> yeah. All right. Robson well, location. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. Well, hey, we've got a great interview today, and I'm super excited about this one. Why don't we cut to our interview with Matt Carlson? Yeah, you'll enjoy it, guys. Okay, so we're here with Matt Carlson, Vice President Colliers. How are you doing, Matt? Good, how are you? Doing well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for taking the time today, Matt. Thanks for having me. So, Matt, can you maybe start by just telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So, I work at Colliers. We're, we're the largest real estate, commercial real estate firm in Canada and the largest in Vancouver. Um, we have a number of different specialties and practice groups within Colliers. Um, you know, people that would sell land or sell, you know, strip malls or what have you. Um, My particular focus is uh, office properties in the city of Vancouver, primarily, so uh, leasing and selling office buildings, Uh, a bit of a focus on the high-tech sector, so helping technology clients and businesses in that that sector, you know, move and grow offices or set up new offices in Vancouver proper, um, as well as uh, a specialization um, helping to sell stratified office buildings, so office condos. Uh, just like a residential condo, but uh, with a commercial use. That's typically how I uh, how I spend most of my time. Right, and yeah, we we want to talk about both those specialties for sure. Uh, one of the one of the reasons we were excited to talk to you, Matt, was uh, was this idea that you work with a lot of uh, local and international tech companies. Uh, wh- where do you see the future of the industry heading here in Vancouver? It's a good question. Um, you know, to some extent, it's it's hard to say because, um, you know, a lot of the demand from these businesses to be here, it, it it's driven by so many different factors. Um, you know, the big ones that we hear in sort of no, no, you know, no order of priority are, um, you know, the people. So the talent here is what we hear quite exceptional um, and slightly cheaper than San Francisco and Los Angeles, uh, which helps. Um, government policy has a lot to do with it. The tax credits that have been implemented, especially in, you know, some of the creative sectors, the film sector, um, that really helps our industry. Um, our time zone, frankly, you know, being on the same time zone as Los Angeles and San Francisco, right. Seattle, Seattle for, you know, the Amazons, Microsofts, and so on. Uh, again, that really helps us. Um, you know, it's a nice place to live. The, uh, you know, I guess relative costs to employ someone when you factor in health care and insurance and, you know, other things, despite, you know, putting aside the housing element, um, it's actually reasonably inexpensive 
to employ someone here relative to the United States. So there's kind of a whole bunch of factors that contribute to, I guess, um, you know, companies wanting to employ people here, wanting to grow, um, people wanting to be here. Um, so I think, you know, generally those all look quite good right now. And, you know, we're projecting that the demand from businesses to maintain a presence and grow a presence here will increase. Um, however, if, you know, one of those factors change, then that might have an effect. So it's, it's hard to say long term. Right, Matt. And so what are some of the challenges that uh, co- these companies have with setting up shop in Vancouver? Uh, well, <laughs> it's, it's hard to find space, first of all. Um, so, you know, if, if Apple, as an example, who doesn't have a large presence, does not have a large presence in Vancouver at the moment, if they came and said, you know, they needed a, a million square feet to build a new development campus and they wanted to bring people in from all over the world, um, they probably they probably couldn't, well, they definitely couldn't find it today. And for them to produce something, so, you know, buy or lease, zone, build, et cetera, something that would be suitable for, you know, what they would need and probably comparable to some of the stuff they have in California, um, it would probably take them five years so, right. you know, I, I'd, I'd say that's actually a major challenge is the, the time it takes for businesses to get set up and running. Um, you know, in a perfect world, you know, you want the market to be balanced. But in a perfect world, if the business said we want to come and bring 5,000 new jobs to Vancouver, um, we need space to do that. We want to be in a good location. And provided they had the talent to do so, um, you know, that they, it would be relatively easy for them to do so. Um, at the moment, it's not. So that that's a major challenge for sure. Um, talent is a bit of a challenge as well. I mean, there's great talent here, but we're still not a huge city. So I think the two kind of go hand in hand to the extent that more businesses want to be here and there's more space available for them to conduct business, more office buildings, more you know research parks, et cetera. Um, they then bring more talent in and that talent pool grows and you know people start businesses. They spin off from you know, some of the bigger organizations. Um, so it's, uh, I, th- I think, you know, talent is good, but it could be, it could be improved for sure. And is the, you know, we always hear, and this is kind of just a more general question about, uh, you know, people fleeing Vancouver because of the housing prices. The, is the talent situation that the jobs just don't exist or, or is it more that people are, are, you know, having trouble staying in Vancouver so they, they're migrating elsewhere? Um, it's hard to say. I, I, I don't necessarily have that data handy. You know, right. it would be anecdotal what people share. I think when I say talent, it's, you know, if a company wants to hire, you know, one or two senior software developers, they can find those people. If they wanted to hire 50 or 100, it gets a bit harder. If they wanted to hire, you know, 500 or 1,000, you know, that's, that's a real challenge. Like, you know, they'd have to bring them in from elsewhere. Um, you know, to poach that number of people from other businesses, I think would be, it, well, it's a lot of work and take mm-hmm. a lot of time. Um, you know, are, is the net migration to Vancouver, I guess, city or metro, is it positive or negative? I, again, I'm not sure. Um, housing definitely plays into it. And, you know, when we see people coming up from the United States, depending on what market they're in, kind of say, whoa, like, you know, didn't realize that we're trading our house for, a condo or a small condo. Yeah. Um, so we do hear comments from people about that, but it kind of depends. It depends on the person, depends on the role. Um, a lot of the software developers that are coming in and working at 
Amazon or Microsoft, they're being paid quite well. Um, you know, like 150,000, 200,000 plus, depending on their roles and how senior they are. So like, right. you know, these are good salaries. Um, so they can certainly afford to live in Vancouver, but yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Are people leaving? You guys, do you guys have any insight into that? Being, <laughs> well, well, you know, my, my thought is just that it feels like you there's constant, you know, the, the love letter to Vancouver that, you know, yeah. somebody writes every six months or every three months and, and gets picked up. And again, it, yeah, I'd be working based on just the people I speak to, but it seems like it's uh, wildly exaggerated, the number of people that are kind of making an exodus, it seems to me. Yeah, that that said, I mean, you know, I find that a lot of the people that I was selling into Vancouver about five, six, you know, seven, eight years ago, they're now going uh, to the suburbs if they have to for more space or alternatively, you know. Um, leaving, going to Victoria or uh, yeah, Nanaimo. You definitely or, hear those. You know, people. people are definitely seem to be uh, affordability is is definitely hurting hurting people that have been here for quite some time. Um, yeah. But that said, it's funny. Like I've a lot of the people that I have sold out into Greater Vancouver, I end up selling them back into the city. Uh, you know, a few years later into a smaller space because they find out that, you know, maybe they didn't need the square footage that they thought they needed or that, you know, having a yard or the commute is is just too challenging. Well, yeah, and just a final thought there, it's one of those things where once you, if you're living, say, downtown or in a really walkable part of the city, I think trading that, uh, yeah, a lot of people miss it and, and it's kind of a uh, recalibration of what really matters. And uh, I think that's why Vancouver is so so popular right just that walkability right Um, yeah no it's interesting to hear that i mean we're i'm seeing you know not on the business side but on the personal side um i guess friends clients whoever uh yeah as people have families and they need more space they are going farther out but yeah the commute's a factor for sure i think you know there's two camps there's people that say oh i'd rather have more space and drive for 60 minutes each way every day, or I'd rather, you know, walk for five to 10 minutes and have less space. There does, you know, very few people seem to be kind of in between. And again, this is probably, I agree. And I, I think with millennials, just anecdotally, I mean, they seem to, they'll trade space for location. It seems every day, you know, yeah. it's, it's uh, that's, that seems to be one contingent that wants to be in, you know, a shoebox as close as they can to the city or the area where they want to live. Um, which actually brings me to my next question, you know, based on the experiences that you're working, based on your experiences with the companies that you're working with, are you excited about the future of the city and its opportunities for young people? I am. Absolutely. Yeah. I I think, you know, just seeing that the city is growing, um, and as much as you talk about spaces and available, whether that's residential or commercial, I mean, the fact that, you know, Amazon is planning to employ, many thousands of people in Vancouver long-term and again, Microsoft and other like Salesforce, big names, big commercial names, big U S companies. Um, those jobs just, they weren't here 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, so I think that the fact that they're coming here and they're making long-term commitments, uh, you know, unless something disastrous happens with the global economy, I don't, I don't see them leaving anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And even if something did happen, they might not leave. So I think it's kind of like we've reached a new level in Vancouver where, you know, it's just, it's a bigger city with bigger businesses, homegrown or otherwise. 
Um, and I think the opportunities for young people are going to be really, really strong over the next five to 10 years. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things I've been thinking a lot about lately is just how like attracts like, right? Like it's kind of, yeah. uh, it, it just is every year, every decade, it seems like, you know, the trajectory, the trajectory that we're on, um, you know, it, it seems undeniably bright to me. That's for sure. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. So, so maybe moving to to um, or shifting gears a little bit here to the Stratus Strata Office projects that you're involved in, we saw an article in the Vancouver Sun that you were featured in uh, recently about Strata Office projects. Can you describe a Strata Office project for our listeners? Sure. So, a Strata Office project would be um, basically identical to a condominium building, a condo building. So if you think about it, you know, they're typically a bit smaller. They're not big 400, 500, 600,000 foot office towers like the ones you see in the downtown financial core. They're more like if you saw a little boutique building in Gastown or Yale Town, like small little buildings like that. Um, and that's just, again, to sort of give people a visual picture of what, what that is. And really, it's, it's a building that's 100% commercial. Uh, it might have some retail uses. It might have some light industrial sort of manufacturing type uses, um, some office uses. Um, you know, it can, it can be together as part of a residential uh, uh, building, but I guess the ones I'm talking about as the new trend are the ones that are standalone. So three, four, five, six stories, and it's all commercial uh, and it's all for sale. So the developer would, just like a condo, they design, you know, 55 units or 30 units or what have you and say, you know, if you run a business, you, you know, you might be an architect or an accountant or graphic design firm or furniture manufacturer, whatever. Um, they would say, here's what we have in the building. Uh, it's a bit more customizable than residential, where if you needed exactly 10,000 square feet or 8,000 square feet, you go to the developer and say, um, or their agent, and go and say, well, I'd like these five units on the second floor and I'd like to combine them and, you know, create one unit that's 10,000 square feet. And from there, they would give you a strata lot, they would give you a condo, just like someone would do on the residential side, and you would purchase it, you would own it. So once the building is delivered, you would be, you know, one tenant on a floor with other tenants, or you might be a, an occupant, or um, you might be the sole occupant on that floor, depending on what you purchased. And the whole building is filled with people like you that own the property together um, as a strata corporation, just like residents in a, in a condo building. Uh, so it's, you know, it's not a new thing, but I guess, you know, what's new about it is we did see we did see a lot of strata development, like commercial strata, commercial condos, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. And then for a number of reasons, you know, interest rates, demand, supply, et cetera, uh, it sort of fell out of, fell out of favor. Then it kind of came back where um, smaller industrial units were being built and sold. Retail kind of came into it. Uh, people would develop um, and sell these these commercial condos as part of a larger residential project, and then and then really I guess the the turning point, the tipping point was when you know there were a number of businesses that were kind of small businesses. They said, you know, we don't necessarily want to be on the second floor of a 50 story residential building in a space that we own. They said we'd like certainty, we'd like to own our own space. There's something to that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not a business that's gonna double or triple or quadruple or not like a, again, a high growth technology company. We're just a very stable uh, owner operated business and it makes sense for us to own. And we don't, you 
know, we'd like to be in a building that's well-managed and with other like-minded people. So we've now started to see a number of developers. They might be commercial developers. They might be guys that have built residential buildings and have experience in the commercial side. They're building these purpose-built commercial condo buildings to be sold. Uh, and there seems to be lots of, lots of demand um, from kind of smaller to mid-sized local businesses primarily um, to purchase purchase these strata lots and own and occupy their own space. Um, so I think that's kind of exciting. It's, it's actually the flip side of what we're seeing on the leasing side with the monster Amazon, Salesforce, Microsoft. Uh, it, these are local businesses that say, you know what, we're going to be you know, a 20-person business for the next 10 years, and we'd love to just have our own space that's, that's ours. Um, probably a similar similar trend to what you you see on the residential side it's like the smaller you know might be a couple of friends or an individual and they're renting an apartment they say well if i'm you know just this little one bedroom two bedroom apartment why don't i own something that's mine and it's a bit more stable and i'm making a mortgage payment rather than a rental payment um so i think it's kind of cool to see that trend evolving Wow. So how does it work, Matt, with improvements? Do you, do you basically just get a, a box in the sky then and, and improvements are up to you as the purchaser? Exactly. Yeah. Because, you know, unlike, unlike the residential market, you know, where it's like, oh, you need a kitchen, you need a living room, you need a bathroom, you need a bedroom. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to say what each business needs. Every right. business has their own sort of design aesthetic, uh, their own layout. Some people would be open space. Some people would have, you know, five meeting rooms or five offices or, you know, every business is a little bit different. And a law firm is not like an architectural firm. It's not like a design firm. Um, so really it's, yeah, you're selling space that no different than the leasing market. If you take a brand new building that's leased, you get a big open concrete space and whatever you choose to build is up to you. So same, same, same on that front. Um, and people get their own little, you know, straddle lot and then they, they make some improvements to it and they fit it out however they'd like and they get to move into it. And, and these are like the, so the pre-sale market is, is a topic of conversation always on the residential side. Is this, are these pre-sold as well? And is there, is there a, a project that you can that you can point to that's either being pre-sold now or, or a recent project or a recent project that's completed? Yeah, they're, they're actually marketed more like residential projects where they are pre-sold. So their you know, brochure would come out, it would detail what's available in the project. There'd be uh, an information statement similar to, do, to a disclosure statement that's provided in residential. And um, people would receive all the information. They say, I'd like units, you know, 201, 202, and 203, for instance. Um, there'd be a price associated with that, uh, deposit structure. People would put money up at certain uh, certain intervals. And, and then when the project closes, they, they close on it, uh, just like you would residential. And uh, they get the keys, build it out, build out their improvements, uh, and move in a few months later. So the marketing process is actually, uh, it's a bit more sophisticated than some of the other uh, projects that we've seen on the leasing side, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely more like a residential project. It, I would imagine that uh, just given the cap rates in the commercial market, that you you probably have a lot of investors looking for these opportunities. We do absolutely, yeah. I think for it's it's not just cap rates. Um, it's it's I guess the price for someone to purchase something on the commercial side. Um, the land is so expensive and. 
you know, people call and they say, oh, we'd like to, you know, we'd like to buy a little building. And, you know, well, we say, well, like, well, what's a little building? Say, I don't know, five or 10,000 square feet. And I say, well, you know, it's not the building, it's the land and it's what you can build on top. And, um, you know, often needs to tell people it's going to be like 15 or $20 million. And like, well, we can't afford that. And that's fine. Most people can't. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, for them to be able to buy exactly what they need, uh, either an occupier or an investor uh, seems to make a lot of sense. So for people that want to invest in commercial but can't necessarily afford something significant, um, gives them the opportunity to buy a little office and sign a five or ten year lease with a business and rent it to them. And it's a bit more stable than the residential side. You know, you don't see people kind of turning over leases every year, two years. Um, if you sign a five year lease with a tenant or a ten year lease, they're going to be there for five or ten years. Is uh, and, and obviously location and you know the building itself and and everything else. The price per square foot is is um, you know it's obviously hard to peg down. But can you speak yeah. a little bit to you know like say pre-sale construction in Vancouver right now? Um, even in Burnaby, say is around eleven hundred a foot. Uh, in in Brentwood, like the can you just give a general idea of the price per square foot? Yeah, it's actually, it's pretty similar to what we're seeing for sort of the, I guess, mid to upper end of the uh, residential condo market. Um, so, you know, in the kind of west side of Vancouver, we're seeing uh, commercial condos, 1000 to $1,200 a square foot uh, and up in some cases. Uh, we've seen a couple projects downtown that are close to $2,000 a square foot. Uh, and in Burnaby, again, similar, like if you're in the core of Brentwood metro town areas, um, you could easily be over a thousand dollars a square foot. So it's actually not that different from the residential side. Mm. And but yeah. the foreign buyers tax doesn't apply, obviously. It does not. Right. Yeah. So that's uh, I think for investors, especially if they're you know new investors, um, that's a real differentiator for them. It's you know they can they, it's just it's just not applicable that tax. So Matt, we've heard that um, like for example the industrial side of commercial real estate right now is quite popular and it sounds like commercial is is actually uh, the market's really strong at the moment why why are these specific types of uh of properties gaining popularity i think it's because i mean well it's a number of reasons but um one of them is because the market's strong and you know when the market's strong um everybody wants to participate in some way Mm -hmm. um so just as people were scrambling to purchase condos and homes, and I think still are to some extent, um, you know, business owners say, well, if I'm going to be in one location for 10 years, why wouldn't I just purchase something? And then, you know, I own it and I get to share in the upside. And if property values continue to appreciate, then again, I, that benefits me and I can, you know, get a, get around not having to paying, not having to pay rent for the next five or 10 years. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. Um, again, you know, low interest rates, they've gone up a little bit in the last little while, but interest rates are still historically very, very low. Um, and also, the, the, I guess the mortgages for these businesses, if they're planning to purchase and occupy the space themselves, are actually quite a bit different than residential mortgages um, because it's tied to a business rather than a person. Uh, the banks will often lend like 90% or more of the value. Um, so the mortgage terms are quite good. 
And the deposit, the general deposit, is it kind of 15, 20% if you're buying it uh, on uh, off the plan? Yes, that's right. That's fairly, fairly typical, but every project's a little bit different. What what type of companies are you seeing that are, are interested? It sounds like local companies uh, more so than inter- international companies. Yeah, we're not seeing the big U.S. companies. I think mostly because the size of the offerings uh, probably aren't suited to them anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're higher growth, so they need a bit more flexibility for them to buy something and then outgrow it in, you know, two years and have to sell it and find something else to purchase or lease. Um doesn't really suit their business model. Um, but yeah, local businesses for sure. I mean, we're seeing, I mentioned before, architects, um, you know, uh, any sort of manufacturing type use. And manufacturing means a lot of different things. That can mean a coffee roaster. It could mean a brewer. It can mean um, somebody that's designing apparel or designing furniture and you know, like designing it in an office on a computer and having samples in the office, but not actually making it on site. Um, the definition of manufacturing today is different, certainly, than it was 10 years ago. And, and that, um, so people, or sorry, I was yeah. just going to say, and that, that strikes me as the kind of changing nature of the economy strikes me as a reason why these are so, so like interesting, everything right? everything moves online. Yeah. yeah. Or, sure. or that, you know, instead of the, yeah, oh, we've talked about light industry changes before. But anyway, sorry, uh, yeah. didn't mean to get yeah, you off. Yeah, we kind of talk about the creative, no, no, it's all good. Um, we kind of talk about the creative class. So those types of workers and yeah, like if, again, say you worked at a, an online apparel manufacturer uh, and you do web design for them, like you're a creative knowledge worker. Um, so the kind of the creative class is driving that. We see lots of demand from businesses in that, in, in those sectors. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, so just, uh, just thinking this uh, through a little bit more, this seems like a, a fantastic investment opportunity to me um, it, for in pre-sales on the residential side over the last four years, as everybody knows, you know, I think a Pier West that launched maybe two months ago where there was a, what, a thousand people lined up outside, like the, the kind of hype around it is so crazy. Yeah, are you seeing that on the commercial side? Like, is there that kind of rampant uh, popularity, I guess, with these? We're not, it's funny, um, there probably should be, yeah. Um, but we're but we're we're not seeing it, um, not yet at least. We're, we're with every new project that gets delivered, we're seeing more and more interest. So it's definitely increasing. But um, I don't think any project can really point to a lineup of a thousand people like some of these high-profile residential projects. So like I think it will the demand and that popularity will continue to increase. And really, it's about I think people just a lot of the general public just isn't as aware of how the commercial market works. Uh-huh. Uh, everybody has lived somewhere at some point, you know, not everybody has been involved with buying or leasing an office. They might've worked in an office, but they didn't have anything to do with, you know, purchasing it or leasing it. So some, you know, not everybody knows how that side of the business works. Um, so I think it's just, you know, not everyone's aware of how to approach it. Really. Yeah. I guess the, the complexity of of it uh, is probably one factor for sure, right? It would seem. Yeah. Huh. What about can we can we talk a little bit about rents, uh, Matt? So you know, like I, people often say, three dollars a foot in the city of Vancouver in the residential market. 
Um, I know commercial does it on an annual basis, but is there a price per square foot if for something, say, on the west side, if you were going to buy it for 1200 uh, 1200 a, uh, a foot, what would be like a typical expectation for rent? Yeah, I mean, I guess the short answer, kind of like anything in our business, is that it depends. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it does, like, you know, it depends on high-quality building versus a lower-quality building, new versus old. Um, you know, does the building have a view? That would be a big factor in determining what someone would pay to rent it or purchase it. Um, you know, amenities that are in the building, that's a big thing we're seeing these days. Office buildings, people are demanding that office buildings have storage for bikes and fitness centers and change areas and showers. And, you know, people have active lifestyles and they spend more time at work these days. So they like to try to fit in some sort of active routine or fitness activity into their workday uh, to the extent they can. Like maybe, you know, somebody who commutes, they might work out for an hour during the day and then leave at 6.30 at night instead of 5.30 at night to miss the traffic, as an example. So we're seeing all these kind of, you know, these are all factors in how people value space. But um, to answer your question more specifically about rents, um, we do quote on an annual basis, and there's two components to the rent, um, which probably don't need to get into, but um, there's the, the basic rent, which is sort of the market rent that goes up and down depending on what people think they can achieve, and then there's the additional rent which is a sum of all of the operating expenses. So that includes your your property taxes, the building's insurance, uh, usually utilities, consumed cleaning costs, you know, anything to kind of run the building. Um, and those are both expressed on a per square foot per year per annum number. Um, so it's like it can completely vary. We can see if you add those two numbers together, we can see rents – you know, in older buildings, you're not going to find anything in the city of Vancouver for much less than kind of 40, 40 to $45 all in these days. Um, and you could easily find, um, you know, there, there's you know, high-end buildings, new buildings that are being developed where rents are 75 to $80 a square foot. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's, there's a real variance. But those are kind of your kind of upper and lower ends of what the rent might be with an average being somewhere in the middle. And is there just uh, one more uh, off the cuff here? Is yeah. is there a project maybe selling now or in the next six months that that you're kind of excited about? Uh, well, yeah, good, good question. We have we have two projects. Uh, we have one that we launched um, that we, it was actually a really interesting project. Um, we launched it the four floor building. The first three floors we sold uh, well first, second, and fourth floor, which is the top floor, we sold all each floor to an individual business. So bigger business than we thought we would see. Um, we talked about those kind of smaller, these are still owner-run businesses, local businesses, but you know, businesses with 100 employees rather than businesses with 10 or 15 employees. Um, so we sold all three of those floors to single businesses and split up one of the floors. Um, so we have two small units remaining in that. Um, that you know should be sold shortly, and that developer has purchased a site down the street. So um, that one, the new one, is actually at uh, Cambian Sixth. Um, so we'll be bringing that to market in the next couple of months. It'll be about forty-five thousand square feet, four floors. Um, really interesting project. You can't get into too much detail, but we're we're super excited about it. I'm happy to send you guys some stuff um, down the road. Absolutely. Well, that's excellent, Matt. So we have this segment called the Five Wire. Can you stick around for that? Sure. Excellent. Absolutely. So 
Um, so what is your favorite area in Vancouver? Um, depends what for. Um, <laughs> I guess it depends what <laughs> mood I'm in. I love Spanish banks, though. If we're going to take the family down to the beach, I, I love Spanish banks. I think that's a fantastic beach. Yeah, you know what? I have family coming in this weekend, and uh, that's one of our first stops as well. It's uh, yeah. Man, it showcases Vancouver. Yeah. Favorite bar or restaurant, Matt? Um, we go to lots of, uh, I mean, I might name a couple, but we, we, my wife and I love going to restaurants. Um, we love Miku for sushi. Nice. Um, Kisa Tanto is a new spot that opened, well, two years ago or so. Uh, if you haven't been, I'd say absolutely must go. Um, and, you know, any spot around town, uh, you know, we're, everywhere in Vancouver, I think we're in a fantastic food city. We're, we're big fans of Kisa Tanto, uh, here as well. Um, yeah. What about uh, downtown Penthouse or Westside Mansion? Um, well, I'm a little bit biased. I'm not in a penthouse, but I do live downtown in a condo, so I'd probably have to say downtown Penthouse. <laughs> First place you bring someone from out of town? Ah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, it might be one of the restaurants we just mentioned. Um, <laughs> or Spanish or, banks. You know, <laughs> Spanish banks, yeah, exactly, like you said. Uh, or, you know, walk around the seawalls, always a classic. Right, right. Yeah. What is the best thing that you have purchased in the last year for under $500? That's a great question. What's the best thing under $500? Um, I probably should have had answers to these prepared. Just, uh, <laughs> it could be anything, anything that added value to your life, like a book, a gadget, album, device, whatever. Actually, you know what? My Fitbit. I love my Fitbit. Ah, hey, Adam's a big fan love of the Fitbit. Fitbit. Yeah, I yeah. mine. See, I I took it off, never put it back. I was going to say I, I was a big fan of it for about a month. Yours yeah. didn't change your life. No, no, no. Mine. You know, I I won't. I would say like I don't wear it all day every day but I do wear it when I exercise and I find the data to be um, really awesome. It was like, I don't know, reasonably cheap, hundred and something dollar uh, toy. So I'd say yeah. I, I really, really like that. Yeah, mine was uh, anxiety inducing uh, based on my <laughs> fitness level. So I, I quickly took it off, but uh, no, that's a, that's a, that's a good, good one that's for funny. sure. Um, so Matt, how can people find out more about you and what, what you do and uh, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, so if you if you just look me up on the Collier's website, Matt Carlson, C A R L S O N, um, call me or email me. Both uh, my phone and email are on the on the website. And yeah, always happy to chat. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for your time, Matt. That was uh, that was a really fascinating discussion. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Matt Carlson, Vice President over at Colliers Canada. Super interesting conversation with Matt. Uh, so happy to have him on the program. Yeah, and no really kidding. interesting conversation about the future of the city, where industry is going. But also uh, the Strata office projects are really exciting. Yeah, well, you know what I love about this is is how a city like Vancouver, and we talk to people all the time, right. uh, that are just 
changing the game. It's like new circumstances call for new types of product and and, Absolutely. and just the creativity in the city is You is can exciting. imagine too, because, you know, obviously the foreign buyer tax doesn't affect the commercial space. Lots of people want to diversify, so they want to get into the commercial Absolutely. market. You can imagine investors would be all over all over these projects. Yeah, for sure. No, they, um, they, they'll be popular. There's no doubt. For sure. And it will bring new business and it will create new spaces for business. It, it, you know, it can change the dynamic from uh, offering more opportunities for rentals in the urban spaces as well. Yeah. So super exciting stuff. Yeah. Um, Matt, what else? I'm, I'm still kind of, I got to be honest, I'm I'm still kind of reeling about this, uh, what's his name? Christian, con Christian Richardson is, is his name, yeah. What a piece of work that guy yeah, is. I mean, and, and he's still on the loose. He's still on the loose. So if there's a guy, uh, kind of a plum shape, 39, uh, approaches you, very accommodating, uh, and he's not talking about real estate and his name's not Adam, uh, okay. be careful. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> Uh, why don't we, uh, yeah, but I do want to just be abundantly clear, uh, do your due diligence when somebody offers you the world, because it, I, in hindsight, we, t- we kind of made light of that, uh, of the tenants situation, but that was a brutal experience well, and that he, that guy he, went through. Here's the, the, the thing that uh, connects me and the tenant together, right? When something is too good to be true, this guy approaches me, Hey, I want to buy like six properties. I want to do it very quickly. Uh, I'm not much into you know, just write the contracts for me. I'm a great guy. It seemed right. too good to be true, right? That's what essentially tipped me off. The rent, you know, he needed three or four months up front, whatever it was, from that tenant. But he was offering him a discount rent because he was his buddy. It was a amazing Yale Town View unit. I mean, it yeah. was too good to be true, right? So that, that's, I guess that's how they get you, right? Absolutely. Every Absolutely. time. Every time. Um, speaking about too good to be true, uh, the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. <laughs> that's, nice. that's nice. <laughs> um, it is not going to con you, but it is, uh, it's information rich. So head over there and uh, we've got some resources to plug. Private client services. Matt, if you're not using private client services, you're standing still while the rest of us are power walking by. That's absolutely uh, correct. So head up and get head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com slash PCS. Get your own free account. And we also have that mobile app. There's a mobile app. And I should say here very quickly, you don't have to hit slash PCS anymore. We have a giant button that says research tools. I'm old school. We got PCS. We got the mobile app. If you're on the go, You'll want this on your phone. It's got a map function. It's got augmented reality. You point it at a building. You For will sure. see listings that are in there, sold prices. It's it's fantastic. Uh, so sign up for both. They're free. Absolutely. And we are uh, just shy of 150 five-star reviews on iTunes. This is, um, this is a real are, milestone for us. Yeah, no, we are we are so uh, grateful for everybody out there, our listeners, and and really just the community. So if, if you haven't given us a review, that's what helps us grow. So head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. If you want to leave us a review, we read them all. We high-five every time. It's a, it's a real, a real uh, honor to receive. A coup? It's a real coup. It's a real pleasure. It's a real, uh, it's, uh, it's my pleasure. It's yeah. Regardless, we are very happy when we receive one, <laughs> right. and we appreciate all the positive feedback. Absolutely. So have a great week, guys, and we'll see you next Wednesday. But Matt, quickly, how can people get a hold of you? Seven seven eight eight four seven two eight five four or Matt at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast dot com. And are you Adam? 
Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also got the nonpartisan line. Info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. And like we said last week, lots of people listing. So we are realtors. As a reminder, if you are listing your property or if you want a marketing analysis done on your place just to give you a sense of where you are in the market, it is the spring market. It's time to list and uh, feel free to get in touch. Have a great week. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.